Bakery. So my family and I are in my wife's Prius C, which is a tiny little hybrid, the least manly vehicle you can think of. And we're cruising up to Door County in northeastern Wisconsin on our way to vacation to see some family up there. And we are on Highway 151, and it is pretty close to bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. Anyways, we're in the slow lane, passing lane. A Ferrari goes by us about a mile an hour faster than we are. And the license plate says Boss Man. And I, kind of under my breath, say, that's pretty awesome. And my wife, whose Prius C we're driving, is like, oh my gosh, what a jerk. And she goes down and lists every single reason why this person is a terrible person based purely on two facts that we know. One is he's driving a Ferrari, and two, his license plate says boss man. I, on the other hand, thought, that's pretty awesome. I mean, he's probably got employees, they're probably doing well, business is probably successful. He's driving a Ferrari, I'm in a Prius C. So in just about every facet, and I also thought in the back of my head I didn't say this, and you know I didn't say this because I'm still alive, he probably doesn't have a wife yelling at him right now about how the license plate from a car that passed him. At any rate, from my point of view, I thought that is pretty bold. And so today, today we're going to be talking about how to be bold. Welcome to Diary of a Worthy Pursuit, where we talk about how to get what you truly want in life and in business. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I've always wanted a Ferrari, even though they're a huge pain. And it's one of those things I don't want a Ferrari to be noticed. I just want it for speed and the power and all that. And I feel like that's with the bold red and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. It is cool, but you know what I think is so interesting is there's the there's the what we feel like we're going to get when we drive the Ferrari, mm -hmm. and then what it's actually like to own a Ferrari. Oh, maintenance, <laughs> yeah. Blue. Right. So I'm reading a book that you gave me about the psychology of money and yeah. how this guy was a valet, and he talks about how people make these bold moves, but then um, in this particular situation, what's really behind them is... Um, they're putting out this front of being bold, hoping that then they step up into it. Right. Yeah. Fake it till you make it kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But what is valid about that, right, is that I bet every day he gets in that far Ferrari, he feels bold. I, you know, it's yes, and I can tell you that from my experience. I my cars in the past have been junk, and they were junk because my game plan uh, was to buy a car, use it for a year or two or five, whatever. And then I would sell it for more than I bought it for. Hmm. And I kept that game going for a long time. But to play that game, you're not doing that with new cars. Yeah. You're doing that with a car that's 10 or 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And it's a car that's got over 100,000, sometimes 200,000 miles on it. Because at that point, it operates. And when you're selling it, it still operates. So mm -hmm. a working car is worth about the same flat plane kind of thing. And it, I remember the first time I sold my business, I bought a new car. And every time I walked to that car, I f there was a pride. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is just a car. Right. And there's faster cars out there. There are better looking cars out there. But when I bought this car, there's reasons that I bought that specific car. Fuel economy was still in my head. And it was interesting how I thought, oh, my gosh. That is such a weird, it's a weird feeling to be proud of something that is really, like, I'm getting A to B. It doesn't matter if I'm in a Chevy Nova from 1988. Or this, uh, I don't know, whatever, Ferrari. Yeah. In the end, it doesn't matter. 
but it does. I, well, it you, need, you need that boldness, I think, to, to step up. So any of these little tips and tricks, I think, that you can use to make yourself feel bold so you can step into the potential that's there mm-hmm. within you that maybe you're afraid to release is really helpful. It's And there's people who say this in different ways, right? But it's that idea of, like, do you have to put on an alter ego to do the things that you know are necessary but maybe you yourself are scared of? Mm. So in that particular situation, I... I would love to hear how you define boldness, but in this area, I see boldness as a tool to help you accomplish things that you may not otherwise go after. Yeah, to me, it's a, you know, it's interesting you ask that because it's very tough to define that because a lot of people have uh, different perceptions of boldness, positive and even negative. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was an internal feeling, not an external feeling. So it's the jumping from the zip line, right? Jumping from the zip line, you got that exhilaration and you can tell people about it, but it was more an internal thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you're having fun with the crew that you're with and all that jazz, but you decided to overcome that fear. You got that courage, or you just faked it, right? You jumped off <laughs> right. the pedestal regardless of what happens. And it's an internal feeling. So the car thing was interesting to me because I thought cars were just a way to get to A and B, and it was a game for me to make my money back. So you essentially drove, I mean, minus gas and oil changes for free. Mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. But walking up to a car that I was proud to own is a very interesting internal thing, and I couldn't care less about what other people thought of the vehicle. Yeah. It was the pride with me walking up to it. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird, like, oh, <laughs> that's kind of... It was interesting because in the Bold Business book, I talk about how you can control your emotions and you don't need external um, input or things to happen, Right. right. But in the end, sometimes it's easier with external. Mm-hmm. It's way easier to feel that adrenaline pump when you're sliding down that zip line right. than to just sit there and be like, eee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So same thing with a car or I imagine a watch. I just had a conversation with the guy about uh, fancy watches. Okay. Because I still can't wrap my head around the fancy watch thing. Like if I can go to Walgreens with 99 cents and I can come up with this digital watch that tells time better than something that manually does mm-hmm. with gears and all this kind of stuff. And this other guy I was talking to was talking about how they're an investment and he's got this winding mechanism. So for all the watches that he doesn't wear, I guess they self-wind as you move. So he bought wow. this winding thing and he was essentially telling me the same story that I just told you about the car, but with a watch. Oh, that's interesting. He feels more powerful and more vibrant when he's wearing this watch. And it's interesting because me, being not a watch guy, I noticed like you might have a watch on, but right. that's the end of the extent. I don't look mm-hmm. at a watch as a Ferrari, even if that may be a $100,000 watch. Yeah. I'd have no idea. Well, and that's like me and purses. So for women, it's like, oh, this, oh. this like these thousands of dollars pairs of shoes or this bag that you carry. And that's just never been me. Yeah, and okay. To me, it's more of the... Is it fulfilling its purpose? You know, does it look nice? Can it go with my outfit? Is it not going to break on my shoulder? Whatever those things are, right? It's function. And and if it looks nice and it's affordable, then cool. But there's other people who I went on a vacation and some of the gals we went with, we ended up in... Um, Oh, the, the south of France, we were traveling down there, and it was really important to them to be able to go to these designer handbag stores oh. and buy one from that store in the south of France. Because to your point, maybe it's a boldness, maybe it's a status symbol, but to me, I was like, 
let's just let's go see the ocean. Let's oh, go sure. do this thing, right? But it's interesting because that's not where I get my boldness. I would get it, I think, in, in other places, not from a handbag. But it's similar in that car watch thing yeah. for women. And I think, so I'd love to hear this perspective from a guy, but there's a lot of people who say that women dress for other women. They don't oh. dress for men. They dress to look nice for other women. And oh, it's not necessarily to look nice for them, but to like feel confident and feel like you belong around this other group of women. You know, it's interesting. I don't want to get in trouble here, but my wife and I were having a conversation because we saw the Barbie movie. Oh, okay. And I don't know if you haven't seen the Barbie movie. It's it's talks about feminism, mm -hmm. patriarchal, whatever. It's actually went down a path that I didn't know it was going to take. It was interesting. Yeah. Different than I expected. Uh, I'm going to dare say good, but... It was interesting. Not what I was expecting, because I was expecting something more for 12-year-old girls kind right. of thing. And yeah. It was more for 40-year-old girls. 40, 40. Uh, anyways, my wife and I were talking about this thing and how different people, based on either race, sex, all this kind of stuff, um, how they have it easier or harder in the world. Mm -hmm. And I told her my perception is that the most powerful person in the world is an attractive woman. And that if you're an attractive woman and you don't dress in a feminine way, you're giving up a lot of power. Mm. And the, I referred to this comedian skit that I heard. I forget the comedian, but he's like Jay-Z and Beyonce, right? Both successful entertainers, business owners, many millions of dollars, right? Maybe even billions. I'm not sure. But if Jay-Z worked at Burger King, what are the chances that him and Beyonce would get together? Mm -hmm. Probably unlikely. Right. But if Beyonce worked at Burger King and Jay-Z was the rapper business guy, what are the chances that Beyonce could get with Jay-Z? Probably still pretty good. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's interesting because Jay-Z is not an attractive dude. <laughs> no, but, no, no. but he's got a couple coins that were up together. Yeah, so. right. Well, what, what I found interesting about that from the female's perspective, and I'm sure your wife brought some of this up, but is that idea that as women we don't necessarily, you're told your whole life, like, even if you're remotely cute, oh, you're cute, oh, you're, you know, whatever that thing is. Mm -hmm. But then you want to be more than that thing. So there's this, I'm, I'm watching Suits. It's being pushed on Netflix right now. So I'm watching it. And one of the characters in there is actually Meghan Markle. I'm not watching it because of her. But one of the things that she yells at her dad for, who's a lawyer and she's not, is um, her dad says something like, you know, Rachel, you're beautiful. You could do anything you want. And she's like, yeah, but you didn't say I'm smart. Oh, And so it's interesting because especially, you know, uh, there's so much parenting advice on Instagram and all these other places now of like, so often we tell girls and we, we validate them on, oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you look so beautiful in that dress, whatever. But we don't necessarily validate them on their intelligence. Oh, and it's interesting. interesting because the difference between what we just normally do for boys versus what we do for girls is different. Like girls, it's all about the looks. It's all about this thing. So... I hear that, and I think more of the current feminism push is like, it's not that women don't want to be pretty and do the thing, mm -hmm. but we want to be recognized for like, hey, I have just as much or more intelligence than a man in this position, and so I want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe based on my brain. Mm. The challenge there is that we make judgments, right? We as humans, we have yeah, to, survival thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't meet someone for the first time and be like, okay, let me learn your life story. Mm -hmm. Let me learn your experiences. Let me learn what you know, right? I'll ask you these questions to figure yeah. out what you know in my world. Right. But we don't have the time to do that. Mm -hmm. So we have to make judgments. Yeah. And visually, 
that's faster than anything else. So this kind of leads into your four-second rule. Can yeah. you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, the four-second rule I came up with, I didn't come up with this. I read about it in this, um, it was a pickup thing. And I read about this pickup thing through, it was just this rabbit hole. I read an article in Rolling Stone or GQ or something like that, where this guy, this like 40-year-old journalist guy, was interviewing Britney Spears. Okay. And she wasn't having it, right? He's supposed to write some article. He's got these list of questions. And she's probably been interviewed five billion times. Right. And so here's just another journalist trying to ask me the same questions. And she was just blah, right? Kind of like talking to a teenager. Like, mm. how was your day today? Fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he had followed this, um, I think Mystery was the guy's name, some pickup artist. And he learned these pickup tricks. And so he started doing that. They call it Sarging on Britney Spears to get the interview to go well. And it's like this silly mind trick where he's like, I'm going to write down a number on a piece of paper and then you guess it, right? And so he writes down the number seven and she guesses seven. So between one and 10, like 80% of the population will pick the number seven. Oh, interesting. So she picks seven and she's like, wow, I'm the smartest person in the world. And she jumps up and down. Now she's glowing and they have rapport. Yeah. Just like that. And I was mm -hmm. like, what is this? Yeah. Because it's amazing. So anyways, um, I read a book, uh, read his book, and in there is this thing about the four-second rule. Okay. And their four-second rule is if you're at a bar and you see a girl you want to talk to, you have four seconds before, fear will stop you, right? Or you'll be like, oh. I don't want, she won't want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's with other people, whatever. So you're giving yourself this rule to force yourself to kind of be your own wingman, yeah. right? But it makes sense in business as well, or even in life of whatever, right? You see people just deliber deliberating about these decisions. Yeah. Crazy, stupid, meaningless decisions. When in the end, if you just had this four-second rule, you make the decision, you move on with your life, and it's probably not life-altering in a negative way. Yeah. And you just do it. Well, the, I think that lends to this whole idea of if we just trusted our gut and didn't let our head get in the way, right. we'd be we'd be faster at a lot of our decisions. We wouldn't be so stuck mm -hmm. sometimes too. And I think that depending on who you talk to, some people call that intuition, right? We're so used to the crowd criticizing what decisions we're making or worried about what everyone else is going to think of what we did. When if you really just like cleared the clutter and went with your intuition or your gut, mm -hmm. some things might not work out, but wow, what kind of life would you have if you just did your gut reaction? Right. And you raise an interesting point, right? Regardless of the outcome, you made the decision. Right. So just go, right? So if you walk up to a girl at a bar and she's like, nah, you're crazy. Okay, who cares? Mm -hmm. Move on with your life. Yeah. So Ed Milet is someone that I love and I follow. And he's uh, he's done a lot of financial real estate investment and things like that. But what I find interesting when he talks about like some big decision that he's had to make is he looks at it as it does probably doesn't matter which decision I'm going to make because either one, I'm going to make it work, mm -hmm. right? If I did this thing and I decide to go into this business or make this investment, once I make that decision, I'm going to make that work. Right. Or if I would have chose this one, I would have made that one work, right? So in hindsight, neither one would have necessarily been a bad decision. Another, going deeper into that with the decision is uh, the rule, is a decision not to make a decision is a decision. Right. That's huge when you when you really internalize that. Mm -hmm. And even on things like, oh, we really need to, or I feel like I should do this, mm -hmm. but I don't have the time right now. You so know? it's not happening, right? right? So you haven't chosen to do it, so therefore it's not getting done. Yeah. 
And then when you look at, when you put it in those words and you say like, well, just change your wording to like, that's not a priority. And you're like, oh, whoa. So like oh. for an example, uh, when I was health coaching, people would say like, I don't have time to work out. I'd be like, okay, well, let's change your words for a minute because if you wanted to do it, we would find the time. You mm -hmm. would make the time. So change it out loud and say, I'm not making working out a priority or my health is not a priority. Right. And then see how that feels because that feels crummy. It does. And then you're more likely to make a change. And then you realize, oh, what am I doing instead, right? Yeah. Because right. people at work out get 25 hours a day. <laughs> right? We like to we think of it. get extra. Way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other, you come back, or you uh, alluded to this a little bit about raising your standards. Mm -hmm. So to be bold, uh, a lot of times we talk about the car, right? Yeah. You raise your standards, get a nicer car, right? You want to work out. What is your standard of health? Mm -hmm. And what is your, what do you want to achieve? And what is the bare minimum? Because the rule is that you will always achieve your minimum standard. Whether that's in finances, health, whatever. The rule also is you look at your circle of friends, take the average, and that's probably you. Mm -hmm. So you find a circle of friends that helps raise you up. Because yeah. if you end up on the bottom of that circle of friends, you'll be, I suppose, somewhat subconsciously forced or moved, let's say moved. Yeah. <laughs> Towards a direction of either earning more or being in better health or whatever. Well, it motivates you to reach more, mm -hmm. right? So I think if you look at the five people you surround yourself with and you're like, you know, for example, in, in a business, let's say, like if you're running a business and you don't have other business owners in your circle, like you might need to find a new circle yeah. at least for business mm -hmm. or get a business owner in your circle because if none of those people get it, then they don't understand what you're going through. Totally. Right? And in the same way, if you find yourself at the top of your circles, then it's probably time to adjust. Right. Because you are more likely to go down to their standards. Yeah. They might raise up to yours, mm -hmm. but you're not improving yourself. So I really love the the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, which mm -hmm. you have to take for a grain of salt because like sometimes the people I spend the most time with are three and five. So like. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I joke with my wife sometimes because she teaches eighth grade. Yeah. And I say something that's probably not ideal to say to her, but I'm like. I can tell that you just hung out with 158th graders because <laughs> you're acting about that mature. Yeah, right. Like, just maybe hang with the other teachers. For also, why she's probably great at her job. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, because she can understand, empathize with them, and mm -hmm. I, pff, no way. Yeah, well, so this raise your standards said another way is you will never get more than you think you deserve. Oh, yeah. So if you feel like you don't deserve a lot, then you're not going to to get that. And so mm -hmm. I like the idea of raising your standards, but it's also this idea of what do I feel like I'm worth? And that is a boldness factor because you almost have to be bold to raise your self-worth and reach higher. Totally. Higher. Totally. How you value yourself. Yeah. Internally, externally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. Yeah. That's, I guess that comes back to the boldness being more of an internal right. than an external. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting. But you had the great thing about telling a better story. I have... Uh, I'm going to dare say every employee, most employees, have some what I would consider to be a BS story for why they haven't achieved something. Sure. And even, I mean, arguably almost everyone you meet has a story for why they're not. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a really quick example. Just had it with my wife um, last night. She was at some teacher, you were a raw thing because the school district makes them go to the teacher you rah rah thing. And she saw somebody go up to this person that she doesn't like in administration 
And I tried to figure out why she doesn't like this person, but it wasn't clear, so whatever. But this person had hugged the person that she doesn't like, so therefore she doesn't like that person, the person mm. that did the hugging. Transference. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. do you know that person? She's like, I met her once, I hate her now. <laughs> right? It was one of those, like, what if this person is, uh, I mean, there's options, right? What if this person is really cool mm -hmm. and they just happen to be friends with this other person? I'm certain that I've been friends with people that other people don't like. Sure. And I'm certain that friends of me have been friends, like there's probably some people that don't like me, right? One or two. On the flip side, maybe this person is just hugging that person because it's a political move. I mean, mm. this uh, shaking hands, kissing yeah. babies kind of thing, right? Right. This is an administrator. Maybe she wants two weeks off in the middle of fall. I don't know. Right, there's so much going on, but my wife read that into one hug. Yeah. She just went down this crazy downhill story. Mm -hmm. And I tried to challenge her a little bit and be like, really? That's what you're getting out of this one yeah. tiny thing? So Brene Brown is famous for the whole, um, the story you're telling yourself. So not to get too deep in it, but the, the example that I really love that she's talking about, she's going on vacation, her and her husband go on a swim every morning and they go to get in the water. They're both in their swimsuit. She's in her mid forties and she's like, oh, I really look forward to spending this time with you. And he's like, uh-huh, yeah. And they jump in the water. And so the whole swim out, mm -hmm. her brain is going, he doesn't like how I look in my bathing suit. He doesn't find me attractive anymore. All of these different stories going through her head. And they get out there, she makes a comment, and he still like brushes it off and is quiet, and they go back in. So she, by the end, when they get out on the dock, is like, I don't understand why you don't love me anymore, <laughs> and just has this whole thing about how he's fallen out of love with her, he doesn't think she's attractive, he doesn't want to spend time with her. And he was you know, vulnerable enough to say, I had a dream last night that we were in the middle of the lake, and a speedboat was coming, and it didn't see us, and I had both kids and I had a split second to choose which kid I was going to pull under the water and save. Oh. And you're like, oh. And so the whole time they're swimming, he's distracted by this dream. And so she's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm so sorry. But she just spent the past half hour reeling, saying the story, I'm going to get divorced. My husband doesn't love me. And he is like in another world in this existential crisis. Yeah. And so what I think is really interesting from that story is it is all about the story we tell ourselves and sometimes we just need to take a step back and check the facts right and then say could there be another explanation for this thing I've been a part of this fearless summer camp uh, run by a friend and one of the things that she says is look at it with compassion mm. so say look at look at your story with compassion and then um, look at it with some personal responsibility internal story right okay so if the story for me is uh, I'm not good enough to, to get business from this company. Like, okay, it, realize and acknowledge the fact that that's the story I'm telling myself. Give myself some compassion for the fact that there's something within me. Question it a little bit, look at the facts, and then take some personal responsibility and say, okay, if those are the facts, I need to change my story, own it, mm -hmm. right? Or say, what can I do differently to change those facts? All right. Yeah. And a lot of times I would imagine the facts are so minimal Right. In Brene's case, it was a guy just essentially saying, yeah. Saying one thing. Yeah. Right. And then I mean, she told this whole story, like, we're going to have to sell our house. And oh, my gosh. I mean, talk about people who overthink every situation. Yeah. So you think, like, what are the facts? And you'd almost think not even close to relevant. The story shouldn't even exist. Right. Let alone be changed. Well, and how many stories are you telling yourself in your life that are holding you back from being bold, from being the best version of yourself? Because 
you think that these things are fact when in fact they're opinion. Right. Totally. Yeah. And it's the excuses that we tell ourselves, right? So much so. I always think it's funny when we're trying to sell our services to a client and they're like, you know what? Uh, after Christmas, after yeah. this completely unrelated thing happens. Right. And sometimes I'll be bold enough to ask, you know what, what are you expecting to happen January 2nd? Right, you're gonna come into work and what's gonna be different on January 2nd versus whatever, October 13th. Sure. Right, is, are you getting new employees, new software, is something happening where you need the delay? Or are you really doing that much Christmas shopping that you need <laughs> two and a half months to knock it right. out, right? Yeah. Like, no, no, you're kicking the can down the road and I get it, right? But just tell me why. And if the if the why is you want to tell me no later, mm -hmm. tell me no now and I'll save you the time. Right. And me. I'll save you and yeah, me the time. Both of us. I don't have right. to bug you. It's exactly. all good. Yeah. So it's an interesting, I guess, dynamic there. Yeah. But in the, it's funny because I say this trying to get myself in the position to be bold enough to ask that question. A lot People appreciate the honesty. Right. And a lot of times they'll tell you something that you didn't know that mm -hmm. they didn't think was necessarily relevant, but they're like, oh, I have XYZ happening. Maybe it's a personal thing, right? We're adopting a kid in November and right. who knows what that's going to bring. Mm -hmm. So get it, whatever. Yeah. Or we're adding software, we're adting people. Like, oh, okay. And mm -hmm. then you can figure out a game plan. Does this make sense? Whatever. Yeah. Or is it, still, or is it a no? Whatever it is. Yeah. But you get that information instead of just this arbitrary date. Yeah, maybes are are not worth anything. Yeah, a lot They're of times. worth a lot of wasted time. A lot of times, yeah. Most of the time people give me an arbitrary date that's got no, or it's not shared why that date is there. Yeah. And I ask them about it. It helps get either a yes or a no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's all you're after, right? Yes, no, right. future commitment. That's it. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting about that is how did you help yourself feel comfortable enough to be bold that now that's a question that you ask? Because I bet when you started your business, that was not the easiest question. No, I, the sales training that I've gone through, their big thing was go for the no. Okay. So we were taught initially, or you believed, I guess, maybe this is just instinctual, you want everyone to be a yes, right? Yeah. Everyone that I ask to buy my product or service, I want them to say yes, because mm -hmm. then that means more sales, more sales means more money, bigger business, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Uh, but not necessarily every person is a good fit. Mm -hmm. And so you're going for the no because no is easier. And I don't have to waste a bunch of time on no. I don't want a maybe because maybe is a huge waste of time. Yeah. Because we always think about it like if I propose to you, like, Jenna, will you marry me? And you're like, eh, after Christmas? Let me think about yeah, it. Yeah, right. I'll or get back maybe, to you. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, why don't you follow up with me in summer, in June, right. whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that's a no. Or that's a. That's a no with no, cl er, no clear reason. Yeah. So I want a yes, right? Great, we're going to get married. You rah, rah. Mm -hmm. Or a future commitment with a reason, yeah. right? Like, um, I just had twins, James, so <laughs> whatever. Uh, not today. Follow up with me in June, whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason. But the no is so much easier because yeah. then you can mark them off your list. Right. The other rule is that until you ask them, you already have a no. Oh, interesting. So every client is a no until you ask them. Yeah. So what's the risk? Well, what I love about that is that that motivates you to ask. Yeah. Right? Because the motivation is to change the no from a yes. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's so interesting. I love that perspective. The, the question that was kind of coming into my brain as you were telling that story was, what would need to be true for me to feel comfortable doing this thing? Oh. You know, so in with clients, for example, like, okay, so you want to start a business 
what would need to be true for you to quit your full-time job and start a business. All right. Um, but with becoming bold, I think this idea of like, what would need to be true for your, when you think bold, I think like show up as the best version of yourself. Like mm -hmm. this future version of you that you're reaching for, hopefully you're always, you know, constantly trying to grow and get there. So what would need to be true for me to become that person? And that really requires vision. It really requires you understanding who you are and where you want to go. And then it's the leaning into what would the future version of me do in this situation? All right. And like so it. when I think of boldness, I guess that's how I think about it is how do I make decisions that are going to benefit future me and not like give into that instant gratification of this doesn't feel comfortable right now. So right. I'm not going to do it. And I suppose you're also challenging yourself a little bit because maybe you realize that there are no facts that could come to light to, that you would be comfortable with starting your business. Yeah. Maybe it's just not your jam. Right. right. Or doing whatever it is. I mean, starting a business or whatever. Mm -hmm. Eating, becoming a vegetarian. I don't know. <laughs> whatever <laughs> it is. Starting to have kids, whatever the thing is. Yeah. But I think the, uh, there's a quote that came to mind that I just lost. All right. But that idea of, uh, you know, where are you headed and what are you willing to sacrifice to get there? Right. That's a great point, right? Because you're always going to have to sacrifice something. Mm -hmm. Always. Because yeah. you can't be attending to every single thing at every single time. Right. Just can't do it. Mm -hmm. So it also, I guess that comes down to the power of no. Right. Yeah. You being able to say no when somebody asks you, um, whatever, will you volunteer with this board? Right. Or will you help me with X, Y, or Z? Will you help me move? Mm -hmm. I joked with a guy. I'm like, I'm over 40 now. It takes more than <laughs> beer and pizza to help someone move. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. I got a spine I got to worry about. Uh huh. Right? What if I throw out my knee? Yeah, something. <laughs> but it's interesting how people, we used to be on this like, I'll help anyone, anytime. Right? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. People pleasing. Yeah. Uh huh. And then I found um, I had a fair number of people say no to me. And it would be like, hey, will you help me with this thing? And I was so used to people saying yes that the first time I heard no, it was yeah. one of those like, huh. And from my point of view, it's one of those, if anybody, any of my buddies, friends, acquaintances, some random person called me up and said, hey, James, I need to get bailed out of jail, I'd be like, no problem. Mm -hmm. I'll come, come, where are you at, right? I'll yeah. come to prison and bail you out of jail. Mm -hmm. Even if it was someone you met in, at a networking group, yeah. right? Sure, whatever. Probably got a cool story. You know, right. <laughs> Um, but I'm learning stuff even with friends that was a no. And a lot of times they're just like, nah. And so it was weird thinking like, oh, that's odd. But then you think, well, what do they have to sacrifice in order to say yes to me? Yeah. Are they giving up a weekend? Right. Are they giving up time with their kid? Because every yes is a no to something else. Right. And I, just as a last piece here, I really leaned into, at first when I heard this advice, I was like, oh, I don't know. But if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Because oh. otherwise, you're saying yes to things you feel obligated to do instead of saying yes to the things that you really know are going to move you forward. All right. I so, love that. But that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for watching uh, Diary of a Worthy Pursuit, where we help you get what you truly want in life and business. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time.